Hi, I'm Peter from Papyrus, and for today's Papyrus Hopecast, we are joined by Andy Airy, Tim Owen, and Mike Palmer, the three dads walking. United by the sad loss of their daughters, Andy, Tim, and Mike are taking on an incredible 300-mile walking challenge over a two-week period to raise vital awareness and funds for Papyrus. We caught up with the three dads earlier this month via Zoom to talk about how the idea for the three dads walking came about, the planning and logistics that have gone into the walk, and each of the dads talked to us about their daughters, Sophie, Emily and Beth. To find out more about Three Dads Walking and to follow their journey, visit their website www.3dadswalking.uk or their Twitter page, at Three Dads Walking. Welcome to Papyrus Hopecast. I'm delighted to introduce Andy Airy from Cumbria, Tim Owen from Norfolk, and not quite geographically in the middle, Mike Palmer from Manchester. Mike, apparently this was all your idea, so tell us more. What's Three Dads Walking all about? Okay, Uh, yes, I'll have to take the blame for this, but uh, very sadly, tragically, devastatingly, that... um, us three dads have one thing in common. We've all lost a daughter in the last three years through suicide. Um, absolutely devastating, I know. Uh, it's, yeah. But basically, myself and Tim started talking first. Um, we were introduced via uh, Tim's oldest daughter. And we live in different parts of the country. I live in Manchester. Tim lives, lives near uh, Kingsley. And we just talked over the last year or so, you know, um, supporting each other. Um, you know, we, unfortunately, we're both in the, in the same place. But we thought about things that could maybe bring a positive spin to um, this tragic and far too common situation. And I just started thinking, and I thought, this, this is a countrywide problem. Um, so obviously, you know, I thought about maybe we should maybe walk from one home to another to illustrate that it is countrywide and a national problem. And as time went on, we, we talked and talked. And then um, I started to do some papyrus courses, um, suicide prevention, uh, suicide awareness. And I met, um, I had heard of Andy before because he's very proactive in um, promoting papyrus. But I met Andy's son um, and we got talking and I just thought, I thought maybe we could link Andy in as well. He's a, he's an outdoor type and uh, obviously he's, uh, he's got a lot of connections and I thought this might work. So I arranged a meeting with Andy and we went for a walk and we talked and talked. I found him, uh, you know, a very warming, caring individual. Um, and yes, as soon as I mentioned the idea, Andy was straight in, straight in, absolutely agreed. To get something positive out of um, this situation is is major. So I went back to Tim and said, Tim, we, 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 we've got someone else. We've got another guy on board here. 
And Tim straight away as well said, absolutely brilliant. And since I came up with the idea, I'm, I'm absolutely humbled with the reaction, the guys, the organization, the time they put into it. And basically, yes, we're three dads walking on the 9th of October. So that's how it came about. Andy, you're no stranger to fundraising for Papyrus. In fact, you're what we call a Papyrus champion. You've run for us. You've walked for us. You've skipped for us. You've even done hula hooping for us, though you might have not told the other the other guys about this. But this is a big event, even by your standards, isn't it? I'm sure it's going to be a damn sight easier than both skipping and hula hooping, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't going to bring that up again. As Mike said, when he um, he'd spoken to our son Gregor at this papyrus event, and I think um, had suggested that he had this idea. I think Gregor said, uh, well, give him a ring. The worst he can do is say no. Um, but as soon as Mike started to skirt round the idea, I thought, well, God, that sounds great. Uh, particularly the idea of covering the country, you know, that it was very much a, a national in terms of English. We're out straining to Scotland, Wales or Ireland, but it's certainly a big chunk of England that we're going to cover. Um so it was it was a really easy thing to say yes to. Am I right in thinking it's around 300 miles, 20 miles a day? That should take you around two weeks or thereabouts. Tim, presumably that's a lot of logistics, a lot of planning needed. Have you been putting your RAF skills into practice about the route, the accommodation, the backup, things like that? A little bit, but yeah, we've just been putting together as a team, the three of us, and kind of working out uh, where we can stop overnight, how long it's going to take, a bit of map reading skills, which, you know, we've all brought to the fore, especially Mike, who's absolutely brilliant at it. <laughs> Not entirely true. <laughs> but yeah, we, we all came up to get, came together, spent a weekend together, planned the, the route uh, from uh, up near Penrith and Moreland all the way down to Norfolk. We're slowly adjusting it based on where we can stop overnight. There's so many people, organisations that have come forward and offered us accommodation at night. Uh, so it's, it's based around how much we can we can walk over a day and, and where all the, the accommodation is. Uh, and it's still developing. Things will change between now, we've got another two months yet, or a month and a half. So things will, will, will definitely change depending on, you know, if we can get free accommodation. So there's still a few bits of free accommodation we're after. So we'll be, we'll be scrubbing around for those. But yeah, it's been a bit of a logistical effort to plan, but we're pretty much, we'd say about 80% there now. We'll come back to the walk in a moment. Um, as you've already said, neither of you would be uh, doing this had you not lost um, your daughters to suicide. Andy, Sophie was 29 when she took her own life in December 2018. Please tell us a little bit more about her. Well, Sophie was um, just a, a fantastic young woman. Um, she kind of lit up the uh, a room when she walked in. Um, she was full of laughter, a uh, big smiley face, you know, and just a, a pleasure to be in her company. Um, she was always full of fun uh, and a, a beautiful, beautiful person. Um, you know, we had uh, 29 years of her, which 
it was just fantastic. Um, in the last six months of her life, um, she she made some bad decisions, I would say, um, some financial, some personal. Um, but <laughs> looking back, there's things that she did that we've all done in many ways. She'd split up with her husband and, um, yeah, just got a bit off track. But no more than that. It was definitely uh, nothing um, to lose your life about. Um, and like many people who've been down this route, Soph was just brilliantly good at hiding how she felt. Uh, we knew that she was down, um, but we didn't know that she was suicidal. And so um, her suicide just knocked the wind out of us, cut the legs from underneath us, flattened us, you name it, it, it crushed us. Um, and so off the back of that, you know, from the, the day we lost her, um, we came very quickly to the conclusion that we had to do something to help others um, not go through this. And so we've kind of been involved in that ever since um, December 2018. And Andy, you made a short film last year called um, The Other Side, which was filmed in your beloved Lake District, addressing the pain that you've just been talking about, the pain of losing a child to suicide. The film is a very tough watch. It must have been incredibly tough to make. Um, yes. Yeah, no, really. I mean, quite often, if you get involved in actually trying to, to um, promote suicide awareness and, and send out suicide prevention messages, very often you end up talking about things that are painful because... That's what it is. I mean, it is it's just so excruciatingly painful losing um, anyone to suicide, never mind one of your own children. Um, but all the time, if you actually appreciate that by talking openly about your experience, um, you put yourself in a position where you can actually help other people, other families, other individuals um, save themselves by, by actually talking about um, uh, the painful things that we've gone through, we know we'll save other other families from from going down this route. Uh, I've got to say, the guys who who helped make that film were fantastic, um, very uh, empathetic, and very thoughtful. Um, and over three days worth of filming and a week's worth of editing, they actually created something that was incredibly powerful and, and uh, carried the message um, that. There is help out there, and we promote. We were promoting also the the, the um, positive uh, mental health benefits of being active in the outdoors, and I think the film really got both of those aspects across really well. Tim, your daughter Emily was nineteen when she died in March twenty twenty. Tell us a little bit about about Emily. So yeah, M was to the outside world, you know, a fun loving, you know center of attention she just just like uh, andy said everyone you know focused on emily but uh she'd had problems for a few years when i say problems she'd we discovered when she was 16 we had it diagnosed she she got high functioning autism and she'd had years of struggles and uh, after the diagnosis her life seemed to settle down a bit she got some gcse's she went on to college she got an apprenticeship she came through all that and she was kind of working in the pub 
in the village, our little village pub, and she she was having you know her her life centered around us as a family, a job, and driving her beloved little car around. That that gave her freedom, and that 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 was her her world, as well as kind of going to the gym. And kind of in March 2020, all that lot imploded with the start of COVID and the lockdown and stuff. So she potentially lost a job. She couldn't go to the gym. She couldn't drive, and uh, yeah. Bless her, she, she, her, her world just imploded and she went into a very dark place literally overnight, we didn't realise, and that, that was that. Uh, and, yeah, it's been utterly devastating for us as a, as a family. It's, you know, we've had to move family home. You know, it's just turned us upside down. And as the other two guys will say, if we can do anything to stop just one person, just one family going through what we're going through now. And it's also what our families have got to live through. You know, the brothers and sisters have got to live through this, you know, for the next 60, 70, 80 years that they've lost a sibling. So, you know, the actions on that that night in March will live on in our family for, for decades to come. So, yeah, the three of us raise a bit of awareness and raise a bit of money to, to help just try and prevent some other family or one other person going through what we've gone, then we've been successful. Were the signs in Emily which you would spot now, or again, was it a sim- similar similar to Andy in in the sense that either she hid her feelings very well, or you didn't spot them? I don't know. Uh, no, Emily had been on an emotional roller coaster for years, and uh, you know she could have to the world she could seem normal, but when she came home, there could be erratic behaviour. But she had settled down, as I say, she'd been since. She'd settled down. There were things going on in her life, nothing bad, but just normal routine things that happen to all of us. Uh, and I guess when those things happen and then you have other things slowly piled up on top of uh, of that, you know, like you're going to lose, but potentially use your job. We didn't know about furlough at the time. You can't go out driving. You know, you can't go to the gym. You, as a as a 19-year-old, your brain's not that developed and you just see your, your, your future crumbling away. That little future should build. So were the signs? Yeah, she she uh, sometimes, you know, got angry about life, but there was nothing to say that she was going to do that that particular day. There was nothing different that that that, that had happened before. Before, you know, she she might have had an argument, she might have shouted about something, but she'd never. She'd always come back. She'd always kind of calm down. But that day, it just the straw that broke the camel's back, and uh, yeah. So could we spot it? That morning, she was very distressed. And perhaps if, you know, we could have spotted it, maybe. I, I don't know. Mike, your daughter Beth was 17, the youngest of the three girls to take her own life, also in March 2020. Tell us about Beth. Beth, the youngest of my three girls, absolutely wonderful daughter, talented, funny. She was... Um, she was training to become a vocal artist. Um, she used to sing in the local pubs and and clubs. She was singing regularly every week. She was earning money. She was massive friend circle. She was she was popular. There was people around all the time. She was going out all the time, and you know, a, 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 absolutely loved by her family. And and she gave all the love back as well. And we we can never understand what she did. You know, we we really can never make sense of it. You know, but she obviously 
she fell into a dark place. And I think it's uh, it was very much to do, the straw that broke the camel's back was very much to do with, with furlough, with her losing her, um, her liberty, her freedom, her ability to go to college, to express herself, her gigs, um, unable to go out. And unfortunately, she only focused on the, you know, the near future rather than the, the big future, her life. And you asked the question before, you know, are there signs that maybe we could have seen? Yeah, I, I believe there absolutely was. There was a few conversations we had in the week before. And as parents are often told, you, you don't understand. And unfortunately, we had no idea that she felt the way she did. And indeed, her friends didn't. It came as a complete, an utter sh shock, absolute horror. Last year, you and your wife took part in a Volkswagen event around the M25 motorway. It was called Run the Ring. Um, I was involved in that from a media perspective, and it was an event that helped to raise £51,000 for Papyrus. But that weekend was an incredibly public and emotional weekend for you both, wasn't it? Yes, it was. We, me and my wife, we both decided that we, we would do something. We would make the effort to go. We have a T6 camper, basically a Volkswagen camper. And we saw it at the very, very much the last minute. So we came forward to Papyrus and the, um, and the organizers of Rung the Ring. And we offered to, to do some stuff for them, an interview and uh, things like that. And I feel the interview really, really struck home with the people who run the ring. The, the absolute, the, the reaction was absolutely awesome. Absolutely. You know, and to, to make £21,000, that was out of this world. But it, it, it's another thing that just proves that, you know, this problem isn't, isn't small. It, it's huge. It's absolutely, it's affecting so many people that young people fall out of hope and basically are prepared to take their own lives. Tim, you'll, you'll have a Three Dads Walking website that people will be able to um, refer to for any details and information they need. The content for the website has been provided by all three of you. That's involved sharing words, selecting photographs of your daughters that must have been very very painful to do oh yeah that was the words were hard but the photos were even harder uh to, to try and get a selection of photos was incredibly difficult uh and and looking back on it now crikey when emily was growing up i was behind the camera on most of them so most of the photos I'd got were of her early years. Uh, and so to get to those photos, I had to go a long way back, virtually through the whole of Emily's life uh, in all that kind of photo albums and online and everything. And that was incredibly difficult. You realise how those 19 years have just absolutely flown by in a, in a heartbeat. And, you know, it all ended too soon. And you just see the potential of that little girl in those photos. And you see where we are now. And you just see that lost future and the, 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 how the future has been impacted for us as her family and siblings. And broader than that, you know, her wider family, grandparents and cousins, aunts and uncles. 
it, it's, it's earth shattering and that, that was really difficult to go through those photos. I think a bit of the text that's that stayed with me was how you describe obviously only a handful of people at the funeral because of COVID and lockdown and yet outside the funeral hundreds, hundreds of people wanting to show their support. Oh yeah that was incredible so we only had six people at Emily's funeral uh, and it was live streamed to, to hundreds more but that's all we were allowed in early April last year at, at the funeral so you know, the government restrictions were so tight but as we came out of our, our drive uh, I put on kind of the village website that we were going to go the long way around the village and our, our little village in West Norfolk a m large majority of people were out you know on the on the road and people had come in from further afield just to pay their respects because that was the only opportunity they had you know they couldn't go to the funeral they couldn't go to a wake afterwards it was absolutely nothing and to go to the funeral of your daughter with only six people there to come back home with no wake or with no kind of support from friends and family physical support there was plenty of support you know remotely but no physical support from friends and family it's probably one of the most devastating things we've ever had to do as a, as a family and you know by, by 11 o'clock in the morning you're back home you've just buried your daughter and that's it crack on with your lives and it's just dreadful Mike, Mike how, how did you find pulling together the, the content, the words and photos for, for that website, sitting down and actually thinking, I've got to put some words down here? No, as Tim said, it's just so immensely, immensely painful. You, you spend all your, well, all your life as a father trying to protect your little ones, little girls, your kids, but... I mean, the sad thing is with all of us, we couldn't protect them from their own minds, you know, and, uh, you know, and, and seeing the pictures of Bethy as she was growing up, because she was always happy, always happy, always positive. And to think at the end of the day, she, she took her own life. Oh, just massively painful. You know, yes. Yeah. Very difficult. Andy, you've been bereaved um, a couple of years longer. Is there anything that you're able to say to Tim and Mike um, that gives them any degree of comfort? Um, yes, for certain. When, um, actually the day they found Sophie's body, we were sat at home um, crying and hugging and uh, um, just being with each other, me and uh, my wife and son and um, some people came round during the afternoon one was actually the vicar Stuart um, and he was great um, he he actually didn't talk about God at all which was quite nice um, but he talked about love and loss um, and he talked about bereavement uh, and one of the things he said to us on that afternoon has stuck with, with me um, really did strike a chord Maybe not, not so much on the day, but as it went on, um, uh, it'd been something of a, a touchstone, I suppose. Um, and what he said was, you know, people will say, uh, time's a great healer. Um, and he said, that's a lot of rubbish. Um, it, it doesn't, uh, the grief, grief like this doesn't heal. Um, he said, you'll always have a Sophie-shaped hole in your life, uh, lives um, and nothing will replace that. But he said, you'll find as you go on, um, you'll find things 
that just begin to insulate you a little bit from that hole. It doesn't, the gaping hole doesn't disappear, but you build things around it that make it less immediate. Um, and you still find that as time goes on, that hole opens up and you fall into it, um, and you end up in um, a, a bit of a sorry state in tears and, and just almost reliving the, the day. But the more things you do that uh, kind of fit around that, that that hole, um, the I wouldn't say the less painful it is, but the less often the pain comes so strongly. Uh, what we didn't know <clears throat> at the time on that particular day was we'd never heard of papyrus. Um, but when we were looking for a charity to support at Sof's funeral, um, I asked um, a friend of mine who's worked in uh, public in health charities, and she immediately suggested papyrus and when we found um, the charity we realized that was exactly the, the the kind of organization we wanted to support one that um, wasn't about picking up the pieces of, of people's um, loss it was very much about saving people from going down that route and as soon as we realized what papyrus did it was like right, let's get, get behind this and see what we can do to help and we've definitely found that as time's gone on the more times we've We've talked about suicide. There's more times we've talked about SOF and talked about papyrus and suicide prevention. The more we get back because we realise that people, we are saving people's lives. And, and so it, it does, that the loss doesn't go away. It just doesn't. But by doing more to help others, you, you do help yourselves as you go along. Back to um, Three Dads Walking. Um, this is essentially, it, it is about fundraising, but as you've already said, it's it's more about awareness raising of suicide prevention. I'm the media manager for Papyrus, and I know there will be a lot of press, radio, and TV interest in the walk and your stories. That's great, but it brings with it its own pressures. Will you have one spokesman, or will you be sharing, dare I call it, the spotlight? <laughs> well we're all in this together aren't we um it might be mike's idea but we seem to have kind of fallen into it <laughs> we, we, we can't escape now so yeah yeah we're doing it together because there are three stories to tell aren't there there are three very different stories that all have the same tragic end yeah exactly suicide is the biggest killer of young people under the age of 35 in the UK. And every year we lose more than 200 school children to suicide. Mike, would you say that you've actually developed a thirst for knowledge and information about suicide and suicide prevention, wanting to be trained, wanting to know as much as you possibly can? Yes. Yes, certainly. I, I, I see it as a part of, coping and managing is is trying to understand um i've done courses through papyrus i've done your assist course and suicide awareness courses um i've qualified as a mental health first aider i've qualified as a mental health first aider instructor um yes it's you know it's yeah yeah it, it, it's very important to me to understand what's going on and you realize the importance of open conversation, you know, talking about suicide, you know, shedding the stigma, 
you know, getting it out there. Because I do believe Bethy and so many others, I do believe Bethy had known what was going on with herself or we'd understand what was going on, knowing her mental health was in very poor repair, that, that we could have done something or she could possibly have helped herself or asked for help. And Tim, do you do you believe that the stigma is still very much an issue, not just in the way that perhaps you'll have met people who don't know what to say to you, if they can say anything at all, but people not wanting to talk about the S word, not wanting to talk about suicide? Yeah, I, I think it's, well, I don't think, I know it's still out there, we've experienced it, but I think the, the, the thing that I do is just kind of face it full on. I know when I returned to, to work, I sent an email out to my colleagues saying, Tim's elephant in the room and it's just you know this is my elephant talk to me about it I'm quite open about it and you know I'm not going to hide how I'm feeling and yeah I think there's a there's people who are ashamed of suicide they're ashamed and you know if you you've been affected like the three of us have there's a tendency to withdraw within yourself and not talk about it and kind of just try and forget it try try and not tell people about it but but we're just three dads who fallen into the same position and we're just not three normal dads we're from three normal families and that's my point it could happen to any any dad any family around the country and you know you know it, it was just poor luck on our behalf that we're the three dads affected so yeah I, I i strongly believe the more people can talk about it and say look this is out there it's a silent killer you know there is a huge problem out there the more that we can talk about it and get our feelings expressed, then the more chance we've got, as I say, of just, just helping that. If we can just help one other family, one other person stop going through what we, we, we as three families are going through, then we've been successful on this walk. Andy, as you know, Papyrus uh, was set up by bereaved parents, parents who've been bereaved by suicide. We are a very positive charity. We believe many young suicides can be prevented we engage with local communities and our volunteers touch people that we might never be able to reach any other way three dads walking to me almost feels like papyrus on the road <laughs> that's an interesting way of putting it i didn't realize we were going to be a bandwagon but uh, yeah no i think um we will certainly be doing our bit to well i suppose literally fly a flag i've been thinking about flags on backs of rucksacks yeah, um, yeah. And one of the things you'll see on the website, um, we've got, um, I've organised for us to carry a tracking device. So on the 15 days of the war, people will be able to follow us online in real time and like kind of follow the bouncing ball as we try and avoid as many pubs as possible as we work our way south. <laughs> uh, oh, did I say that? No, maybe not. Uh, but, but we were very much there to try and encourage people to come and find us, you know, join in, wish us yeah. well. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll be we'll certainly be banging the papyrus drum the whole way across the country. As you said, the walk starts on the 9th of October. I know that you like the countryside in particular, Andy. I'm assuming that whilst you know it's still pretty secret at the moment, that there will be a scenic route, 300 miles, 20 miles a day, that you will be choosing a scenic path. Well, some of us chose scenic routes. Mike's uh, selection of the A555 from Manchester Airport to Poynton may not be as scenic as others. Um, no, it, it, I think there's going to be some beautiful bits. Um, Fee, Fee and I, my wife and I, walked the first day about 10 days ago, 
uh, despite the fact we walked into a raging headwind for 20 miles, which was a bright pain in the backside. It was fantastic. And we, we walked some places that we'd never been before. And I'm looking forward to going back there. But uh, I think that the day across the Forest of Boland looks superb. Um, the day we, we, we go from Pointing over to Buxton looks fantastic as well. Um, I've got to say the last 40 miles along the flood defences towards Tim's house where we don't cross a contour may get a bit tedious but you know not what we can do about that is there? <laughs> there's, there's clearly going to be some good banter along the way as well Andy is is, is there any truth in the rumours that you, you've actually you will be forced to walk past the Old Trafford ground <laughs> <laughs> well the route takes us directly past Old Trafford yes yes but no, never mind. I was at the Etihad last Saturday, and I'm going this Saturday, and we'll be above, above uh, United in the league anyway when we walk past. So I'll, I can send hand signals to them as I go past. <laughs> Mike, Tim, how's the training going? Oh, it, it's going, yeah. It's it's going. Yeah, we've we've been uh, individually walking bits of the route. I know Mike's done some, and I've done some. Uh, problem I've got is training in hills over this part of the country. There's not many hills, as <laughs> the other two have alluded to. So, uh, yeah, we, we'll get there. But, but uh, yeah, it's, it's just being able to walk 20 miles a day for, you know, consecutive days. That's that's the uh, the pain. And uh, and just keep that going. But the training is going, shall we say. What yeah. about your training, Mike? <laughs> oh, yeah, it, it's definitely going. Yes, I did the Darwin to Media City um, like a few days ago and ended up doing that in soggy boots for 25 miles. I think rain <laughs> is going to be an enemy. Um, I think we need to um, obviously look at kit and footwear that we have been, to be fair. But, but all in all, yeah, it was a long walk. It was a long walk, but I, but I know we can do it. I know we can do it. I mean, you've mentioned the rain there. I wasn't going to mention this, but as soon as you, you, you brought it up, last October recorded the wettest day <laughs> in history in the UK. <laughs> Thanks, Peter. Guys, I mean, you, you're not doing this alone. You've got your families behind you. You've got an awful lot of support. And there must be lots of people that you want to say a big thank you to even before you've started. So by all means, who do you want to thank? Um, well, I suppose the two organisations to, to thank to start off with. Uh, first one, Ordnance Survey. I contacted the guys at Ordnance Survey, who I know very well, and they shipped out, is it 17 maps each we've got? I can't yeah, remember. Yeah, I think so, yeah. 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 So we've all got a full set of maps, which we've been drawing on. Um and then oh, there's just so many. And uh, Mammoth UK have supplied us with quite a lot of kit. Um, the guys at Lecky um, have got poles. Um, and, of course, the team at Creative Branch are the people who are building our website. Um, and they, they're doing that despite the fact they had no capacity within which to work and we had no budget to pay them. Uh, so, no, they've been great. Um, and... I mentioned the tracking, of course, and the, the team at Open Tracking down at Tabithwaite in Cumbria have done that again with no no charge. So a lot of people are kind of starting to come together. So they're the organisations and then individuals. I think we're going to have a list on our on the website that will highlight everybody who's got behind us. Mike, Tim, anybody you want to mention in particular? 
Go on, Tim. Okay, chap. Uh, yeah, so there's a, a few individuals that have really helped out with the com- uh, accommodation. Jim, David, John, uh, Rich is going to be doing a load of running around down at th- this end. But also we've got the the Buxton Crescent Spa Hotel, who have been absolutely fabulous and given us some rooms for a night free of charge. Thank you very much. And that's a really that's been perfect because that's halfway down the down down the route. So that's been absolutely perfect for us to have a kind of a, a chilled night somewhere. So yeah, those are the, the key ones. But the list is growing, as I said, you know, uh, and every day people are coming coming to me as as word gets out about this, about how how can we help out? How can we help you out? Can we run you to somewhere? Can we move your kit around? So the list will grow, I'm sure. But we're going to put everyone on our our website, as Andy's already said. Yeah, definitely. I mean, for me, it's um, it's certainly the seven brothers. They've been massively support, um, massive support. Um, certainly, uh, Manchester Airport Fire Service as well, who have looked after me and basically enabled me to uh, take on this challenge. Um, and as um, Andy and Tim said, that the list is growing all the time. There's so many individuals who are putting us up throughout the walk as we work our way down. You know, three wet, sweaty, smelly dads. You know, you know, we, we, are, we are very grateful to them. But uh, the, the list is growing, yes. And that's you, that, that's probably why using your camper van, Mike, for all three of you wouldn't work, would it? It'd, it'd, be, a, it'd be a tight fit. And I, I, I think between us, I think there's at least two snorers, so I believe. <laughs> We're about well, to find out. Yes, we're about to find out. <laughs> it's 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 great to end this with um, with laughter in the air. Everyone here at Papyrus Prevention of Young Suicide would like to wish you, wish all three of you well. You're three proud dads, three dads walking, three dads who will be helping to save young lives. Thanks very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to Papyrus Hopecast and for your part in making suicide part of the conversation. Sometimes listening to these stories can be difficult. If you are a young person struggling with thoughts of suicide or if you're worried about a young person, you can contact Hopeline UK on 0800 068 4141 via text on 07860 or via email to pat at papyrus-uk.org.